Thank you for joining the ESBC podcast. Thank you for growing the podcast, telling your friends and neighbors about the podcast. And we're going to get more literary now at the NCAAs for football season. We'll be publishing. Uh, we have the guy from Butler University talking about 1.9 billion with a B of value that small universities like Gonzaga get by being in the Final Four. Uh, no BS here, no spin. You're getting information you do not get anywhere else. And my wife and I are true crime addicts. She's a very sought after, talented psychotherapist. So we see what's omitted from those shows, what's omitted from mainstream media. And we give you news here, right? Which is doing the best of your perception to be honest in what you think and not hypocritical like these athletes that say, oh, I do it for the universe. I'm doing it for the people. No, they're like Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer says, hey, I don't have a relationship. I just want to have sex with women. And I, you know, he didn't tell the Dodger fan he doesn't like to take autographs. Okay. He would tell you the truth, right? So every single business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. The purpose for us is to give you more insight, uh, to make even more money. And the fact that life never stops teaching. So you never stop learning. And as always, Mike Prestonisi, fresh from coming from Florida, known him 12 years. And if you're the toughest, smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> so we're really happy that Mike Prestonisi, ADA compliance, accurate business coaching is here on this journey as we get insight into what happens in the past, what's going on in the future. And uh, why is there 7 billion trillion with a stimulus? Why are, are there $26 trillion in the housing market? It's bigger than the stock market. How can you make money and live in abundance rather than a scarcity mindset? So that's the outcome we want. Thank you for joining us, uh, Mike Prestonisi. Thank you, Josh. You know, we were talking about uh, information which you won't get someplace else or anywhere else really and one of the things we talked about our viewers and listeners can appreciate this wikipedia uh, sometimes you read something about someone you say boy they they look like a fill in the blank a saint a wonderful person blah 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 but then you scratch beneath the surface and you start digging in digging around in the dirt and you find out well that wikipedia was pretty well scrubbed wasn't it it was cleaned up now, I'm not blaming Wikipedia. I'm not saying it's right or wrong per se, but they don't always give you the straight scoop. And we try our best to give you, the listener and the viewer, the straight, straight scoop. So you say, hey, I didn't know that, or that's interesting, or wow, thanks for sharing that. So glad to be on board. Glad to be back from Florida to, to be with you. Right. Uh, and... Almost everything that we've had on the podcast and we continue to have, we've had, because it's a small world, we have had some experience in. Or we know the people, or we know the same type of people. And we're connecting the dots because uh, both Micro Sinisi and I have had to pay our rent without any help from our parents <laughs> or any loved ones or anybody else. And Sometimes you need money on the spot. So one of the outcomes of the podcast is people listening to the podcast. And 
acting upon it that night and the next day and putting money in their pocket. Because it's capitalism, collaboration. Communists say that capitalism will never work as capitalism, capitalists will cannibalize each other, will fight, they're ultra competitive and they're not able to collaborate. But as you can see, my first Denise and myself, we've been collaborating for 11 years. And you see joint ventures all the time in the United States and throughout the world. And the United States is the richest country in the world because of figuring out how to collaborate. And people are, are intelligent sometimes. And they might not like each other, right? But they collaborate because they're, they got focused on the on the end goal focus with the end in mind right, right? right. Uh, so it's better be lucky and good since we live in the richest country world there's a huge abundance and right now in society right it's important to be able to differentiate between fact and fiction and uh, i remember must be going on 10 years. We were in a BNI meeting, uh, uh, a business networking where Mike Persenisi and I met. And Mike Persenisi was talking to somebody. And he said, even though things are going well, things can go south quickly. <laughs> and that goes for anything, right? The pandemic kind of shows that things can go south quickly all right so it's always been a fight for opportunity and you have to be able to have a system to differentiate between fact and fiction all right i have the book back there i was looking for uh, decision science right there's a method that I use uh, by Google, uh, Fortune 50 company, and it's a method for decision making, right? And part of that is not being like the guy from 500 Days of Summer. If you've seen that movie, it differentiates between fact and fiction, his perception. And in finance and managing people's money, managing people's life, saving their businesses, you have to make the distinction between what actually happened and what you hoped happened. We all know that hope is not a strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So you can hope for things to happen and it, not, it might not be the highest likely outcome, right? It's probability theory. Uh, the highest guarantee you can have in life is 80%. 80%. There was an 80% chance in 2020 that wasn't going to be a there was, right? There's no guarantees in life. And uh, before I get your thoughts on that, uh, Mike Persinisi, another element that I want to add in there, um, when you're making companies profit, and especially when you're dealing with really successful business owners, you have to educate and say, hey, I'm not telling you what to do. You can do whatever you want. You can get lucky, right? Or whatever, and things go out. You can do things completely wrong, have things turn out well. And you can do things completely right, 
have everything be a disaster. But we're defining things, right? Yeah. Oh, this lady here, we did the math, and the value she provides is for $12 an hour, and you're paying her 40 And she's your sister-in-law. Oh, I can't fire my sister. Oh, I can't lose her salary. I'm not telling you to do that. What I'm telling you is that by definition, right, $28 worth of her salary an hour is charity. I'm not telling you, you can do, this is your company. I'm just, you know, got an MBA, yeah. helping you make profit. I'm defining it. What are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I, I like what you said originally, Josh. You used the Stephen Covey principle from the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those habits is begin with some kind of end in mind. In other words, kind of know where you're going, right? Right. I think a lot of people don't do that. They have this idea, this plan. They say, I'm going to go do this. Well, what, what's your end game? What's your two-year, three-year, five-year plan? Oh, I don't know yet. Well, it's like someone asked me the other day if I could get from California to New York. I said, yeah, just go northeast. Right. Well, where are you going in New York? Do you have a street address? Do you have a zip code? I mean, it's a map. And the other thing you're talking about, Josh, which I, I really like, when you start talking about helping people understand value, and I've been down this road many times, so have you, you talk to a business owner and you say, okay, how do you want to exit this business? What, what do you see as the value if you were going to sell it tomorrow? And they'll give you a number, Josh, okay, 10 million. And I'll say, would someone pay 10 million for your company today? Well, that's what I want. I said, well, what if somebody offered you three? Well, it's worth more. How, how did you come to that assessment? Is it an emotional thing? It's your business, your baby. Yeah, it's worth 10 million to you. On the street, it's probably worth three. And if it's a competitor, he wants to get it for one and a half. Right. So work with people to say, let's talk about, and I always say this with air quotes, let's not get offended when you hear the truth comment, okay? So don't get offended. Don't shoot the messenger. Please listen and try to digest what we're telling you. And I've had many owners actually thank me for kind of, and I tell them which hat I'm wearing. Josh, I have to tell them which hat I'm wearing. Okay, I'm wearing Coach Mike hat now. I'm a business consultant. Here's what I see. I take the coach hat off. I am a consumer. I like your product or your service. That's a different hat. And as you give people those uh, boundaries, they can appreciate your commentary. Right. And, and this is horse racing to crime. So as uh, we progress the podcast, last, week, uh, last time we had the podcast, we talked about the Stronage family, Linda Stronage, her ties to the Clinton Foundation, people ended up dead, and the people that ended up dead, billionaires, pharmaceutical industry, there were drugs that have been documented to spike horses. So we're gonna talk about the cultural aspect, of horse racing true crime, the mafia aspect, and uh, horse racing true crime, and the characters, because what ends up getting close to the crimes is because they have yes people around them all the time. Mm -hmm. They lose touch with reality. And that's why you have somebody who's highly successful ends up committing a crime in the horse racing industry and gets themselves in trouble. Now, one very interesting element is that the Rooney family Pittsburgh Steelers bought the Pittsburgh Steelers with horse racing monies 
and drug money, right? They, they not drug money, but uh, mafia money, and then money from the Kennedys from when prohibition, they made a lot of money on prohibition, parlayed it to mafia activities and uh, horse, horse track mafia activities cash to buy the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right? You got the Rooney family. You also have Carol Rosenblum, who was a very, very strong swimmer. He marries um, Georgia Frontieri, mm -hmm. who was dating Frontieri at the time, married Carol Rosenblum on the down low. Long story short, she gets the team in a will that's worked the paperwork. He goes swimming and he ends up dead. Carol Rosenblum. And one guy culturally we're going to profile today is Gene Klein. And before we get into uh, Gene Klein, right? What are your thoughts on that and, and those connections? And what we talked about before with the Stroni family, they own XBET, the mechanism you use to wager. You own horse farms where the horse races are there, and they own several tracks. Yeah, I mean, when you have a what we would call a closed loop system, right, where you can control every variable, you're going to win, win, win. You're, you're never going to lose. And if people start to I don't know, crowd you out or they want to get involved and you don't want them to, people disappear. I mean, the Carol Rosenblum thing with Georgia Frontieri, how does a woman own the Los Angeles Rams? Well, her husband died. How did he die? Well, he was swimming. Well, he was a very expert swimmer, right? right? How does an expert swimmer die? Probably someone holds him underwater until he can't breathe. Now, right. let's be honest. I mean, the Rooney family and the Joe Kennedy back in the Kennedy days, Prohibition and Booze, I mean, there was a lot of big money. Josh, our, our family, my family from Italy, when they came to America, one of the things that we owned was a, they used to call them beer gardens. It was a bar. And my grandfather was kind of like, I guess you'd call him a local, I don't know, he was a local mafia guy, for lack of a better term. He really was, because he controlled all the booze. He, we lived near the river. So there's a lot of access. And if you control a few politicians and a few people, you become very influential. The, the thing about Gene Klein, you know, if you read about Gene Klein on Wikipedia, he, the man's a saint. I mean, he just about walked on. Okay? Right. But if you scratch a little deeper, you find out, well, he, he, he was involved in the mafia for years and years and years. And here on several horses, races, it's their, uh, stables, and deep connection to Del Mar, which we'll be covering uh, later. Now, in that Wikipedia, what, what does it say about him in the beginning? As I was reading through it, I, you know, it talks about how, you know, he started off that uh, he was a businessman. He was the CEO of National General Corporation. And then through some, it's a little fuzzy, but he ends up basically uh, launching the Seattle uh, Supersonics in the NBA. And before that, he had tried to get some kind of American League baseball team here in California, but Gene Autry got it from the Angels. And then he ends up, actually owning the San Diego Chargers. 
and talks about all the horses that he won. He started this Del Rayo Racing Stables, and he hires D. Wayne Lucas to be his trainer. Right? Hello, red flag, guys. Are you listening? <laughs> right, and now we'll get into Bob Baffert next week. We'll Bob Baffert. Right. So, and as you read about Gene Klein, he has all these horses, Tanks Prospect, Lady Secret, Winning Colors, which was the uh, only the third filly to win the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, he goes down the list. And then he has like another closed loop system. He has the Rancho Santa Fe property. He has the horses. He has the trainers probably doing some kind of uh, performance enhancing drugs. I don't know. I would Whatever way they fixed it back then. Big pardon? Because the house always wins here, right? You got Rooney owning the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. horse racing mafia activity. And you got Gene Klein, horse racing mafia activity. Yeah, yeah. Right? And we'll and get into, I'll backtrack. I'll do a little bit like breaking back and backtrack. And I'm going to talk about a, a, a Gilbert Beckley. But I'll give you what the mafia is in a nutshell. Because now, these days, we have, you know, hedge funds manipulating who's hedge funds, right? The Heinz family from the Kansas City Chiefs, they're hedge fund. So when you think about the mafia, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm using this book. It's hard to uh, get. I read it a couple times, but it's very deep because it, it talks about American culture. And it talks about because people at the stock market currently, you know, with corporate hits and they're killing people impulsively and all the drugs involved, all the things going down. Uh, it's just as bad as the mafia or even worse because they can do it on a, on a bigger scale than Italians who are disenfranchised and we're figuring out a way to survive. You're, you're American interference, right? Yeah, Looking interference by Dan uh, Leo. All right? Yes. And he gets into because sometimes the more things change, the more they stay the same. Right. And I'm going to tie some things in. All right. Yeah. So when you talk about the mafia, I'm reading from page 471. And I like your thoughts. Through a complex and illegal series of manipulations, mm -hmm. the work of the company suddenly became hugely inflated. Well, there we go. We're talking about inflated sports lines. We're talking about uh, inflated stock prices because of Robin Hood. Here's Gene Klein and company. We know who company is. And uh, we'll give you the truth about Gene Klein because I might have the truth more than people are willing to say. All right. So these are these people doing the, these things. Mm -hmm. Before the SEC stepped in, right? So the SEC is always late, just like uh, FBI, they're paid off. Just talking about a lot of money. They knew, SEC knew, uh, it's almost like, again, patterns, right? They had been investigating George Navarro and company, the FBI gets paid off all the time for seven, eight years before they popped them because it became an international scandal that those idiots took spike courses to Saudi Arabia. And it took 12 years for the SEC when they had evidence of Madoff, right? Oh, yeah. To investigate. And the only reason Madoff got investigated was because of 
the 2007 crash and people asked for the money and he didn't know where the money was. Then the SEC said, after the fact, they probably would have never done anything. Too much money involved, people put off. SEC stepped to investigate. All right. The Coleman Korsnack Group attempted a fail to sell the company to San Diego Chargers owner Gene Klein. He came to deal because he did not uh, trust them. So that right there will tell you. Complex, illegal, series of manipulation in businesses, right? They pay for protection, they hijack trucks, you know, sell them. Mm -hmm. right. So, what are your thoughts on that? Um, that definition of the mob and what they do in the horse racing industry? Yeah, well, just to just to focus on a very famous person in that arena was Al Capone, right? And Al Capone basically, I mean, he controlled a lot of industries with his influence. And he would have never, ever, ever got caught, Josh, unless some little accountant said, hey, wait a minute, we can get him on tax evasion. He's not paying his taxes. And that's how they brought out the phone down. But when you own judges and you own municipalities and you own property and you own horses, you know, people just, if you don't agree with them, you, they disappear. They die. Right. And SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is an interesting name, right? Back right. in it probably meant something today. I don't know what it means to be honest. And you and my son both work in that industry where quote unquote compliance is the end all be all of legality. Compliance for poor and middle class people trying to, middle class always gets hammered. Yeah, yeah. Same with taxes and same, all this stuff. So all this right. whole idea of these complex and illegal series of manipulations, that sounds, when you're reading it, it sounds like it's scientific, it's strategic, it's illegal. It's against the law. And the problem is you have a lot of judges and a lot of attorneys and a lot of people in the whole legal system that are getting paid a lot of money to turn their head. Right. So, of course, it's illegal. Of course, it's rotten. So, and, let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Since the Rooney family, uh, the 49er family that's owned by York, right? With the Bartolo. Bartolo family. They own a lot of uh, malls. Yeah. And then a lot of stuff, right? Uh, Eddie DeBarlo Jr. Junior, right? Was in jail with Eddie Edwards. And uh, I'm a lo local, US local political corruption historian. And we bring that a lot into the podcast, the way things work. And we had two major politicians on the podcast, thanks to Mike Brissonisi, that tells you in detail who's on these commissions. And we talk about payoffs with uh, Desmond. He, he doesn't take them, but he, he understood the process. Right. So let me ask you this: If all those families, right, and then the Spanos family, they now know the Spanos family. They own a five billion dollar NFL football team, but they're broke. How does that? Happen? Uh, my family worked for the dad Alex in Tarpon Springs, cleaning a hotel for him. Hmm. There's a lot of things going on there. Right? So if these fortunes were built on illegal 
illegal manipulation. What's stopping them from doing legal manipulation with the referees and the stewards, the guys who say who won the horse in a photo finish? Ah. Now that, as they used to say years ago, is the $64,000 question. And probably the answer is absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nothing, right? Yeah, because they, if they're willing to do it unethically, illegally, and immorally, turning the corner, okay, I guess we can do it legal. I guess we can do it morally. I guess we can. And they have to hide it through other organizations, other nonprofits, some kind of benefactor kind of positioning. But the, the funny thing is, Josh, in all of this, the bottom line is man is greedy. Man wants money. Man wants power. Men want drugs. They want sex. They want rock and roll. But it's still around. I mean, this started when the Rooney spot, the Steelers was what, 1940s? That, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to cast aspersions toward Rooney. I don't, I don't, never knew the man, never met him. I heard a lot of good things about him. But the more you read, the more you see things are, in our language, scrubbed. They're cleansed. They're, they're purified. And that's not the real truth. Right. And if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you. Well, no, and not, and not about, I mean, the, right? a lot of the horse racing stories and things about our Rooney, I've learned from Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And we're not judging him. A lot of these people died a long time ago. What we're doing is we're giving you information that you can't get anywhere else. And we're describing the character. We're giving you the backstory of the people in subsequent stories that we'll talk about with horse racing for crime. Look, look at Gene Klein for just a moment. Look at Gene Klein for just a minute. Okay, he's a Los Angeles-based guy. He gets down to San Diego. It's 90 minutes down the freeway. He buys a lot of property in Rancho Santa Fe, California, the most exclusive. I think in 2005, 92067 was the most expensive zip code in America, okay? He's now down in Rancho Santa Fe. Where's Del Mar Racetrack, Josh? A stone throw from Rancho Santa Fe. Right. He owns horses. He's got D. Wayne Lucas. Look at the money. Look at the sporting. He owns the Chargers. He's he's involved. All of a sudden, on the whole West Coast, he, this guy's always, always involved. Right. Look at the money flow. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that there's something going on here. And you say, well, why is this important for you? Because using this information and studying it, has helped uh, me in sports betting that my wife has not bought gasoline from non sports betting dollars since 2011. Not bad. So getting out Gilbert Beckley. Yeah. Website called the Mob's Biggest Sports Hits. So Gilbert, can you say, well, how do you know Gene Klein's in the mob? So I'm going to read it to you. I like your thoughts. Okay. And then we'll do a character stretch, uh, sketch of uh, Gene Klein, because he is very analogous to, like you're saying, Dwayne Lucas, to Bob Baffert, all the old guys in the horse racing industry. Yeah. And yeah. He wasn't a bad guy. Our reading is not a bad guy. There's a difference. Let me ask you this. And you know this. There is a, right? It says in the Bible, do not judge unless the... There is a difference between a criminal and a bad guy. I know people who are criminals that are good guys. They'll take the shirt off their back, 
trust them to the death. And I know people that are not criminal that I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. What are your thoughts on that? We happen to know a lot of the same people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would say amen to that. And, and the funny thing is, there's an old expression, you can't judge a book by its cover. What does that right. mean? Well, you have to spend time with them. You have to read. You have to figure out, when, like you've talked about many times, Josh, you have to know your surroundings, know them well, know the people involved, know the arena or the context in which you're dealing. And if you don't, may I suggest you exit quickly because you're going to get chewed up and spit out. Right. Well, a lot of the characters you and I have dealt with in the past, I use the word characters in air quotes, but they really are. They're bigger than life. Gene Klein was bigger than life for right. you. I mean... And then when uh, when he ended up selling eventually the uh, he didn't sell it he got you know we'll spoil the ending but yeah uh, Gene Klein the Chargers were repossessed by the Tarquin Springs Greek mafia because he ended up yeah, yeah. some bad business deals like we just heard and he ended up in debt like the Spanishes are now in debt mm -hmm. right. Because uh, you can blow that money. I mean, people are like, Down Abbey, if you watch that series, it's boring. Well, it's, it's, an, it's really, that's a lot of depth to that series. Mm -hmm. It's about the fact that, and you see this spilling out with the royal family, that yeah. dynasties, we're talking about people who own the Federal Reserve on, on top of us. They don't care if it's a communist or democratic company, because they're above, they do whatever they know. They're the elites up there right mm -hmm. and uh 1914 read it uh 1914 president wilson and three senators in that vote for the federal reserve in the private dynastic companies or families that own the federal reserve but dynastic uh families for the last 500 years 90% the wealth doesn't last to the third generation. Mm -hmm. So in the lottery winners prove this, right? The, oh yeah. Michael yeah. Jackson proved it. Michael yeah. Jackson died broke. Gene Klein died of a heart attack. Right. And we'll get to that character stench at the end. We'll close with that. Yeah. Right. So uh, you can blow the money, you can lose it, especially. We were talking about things go down quickly if you are involved in illegal activity, because this is an insight. Let me know your thoughts. We'll talk about Gilbert Blakely. We're going to tie in a lot of things that we talk about the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And it is the fact that 80%, it's almost any movement starts, it starts off good, and then it declines, right? The civil rights movement started off with Martin Luther King, and now we got uh, Al Sharpton. <laughs> Started off good, then went south. Mafia, same way. Mafia was disenfranchised. We got to get together. So yeah. we get jobs. And then it turned into, uh, we got the Wynn Hotel, where Steve Wynn gets his daughter kidnapped by the high-end mob, but still, the wind is a beautiful hotel. The wind owns Barstool Sports. This with Penn National that we talked about in the beginning of the process, as we tie this all in to horse racing, true crime. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, you make a very good case for what I would call follow the money, okay? When you're talking to somebody and they start asking you questions and you start hearing and sensing money, you start asking more questions and they either answer them honestly or they start doing the bob and weave and the, that kind of thing. When you're following the money, and this is good for our listeners and viewers to know, do more homework before you sign on the dotted line or agree to something. Do more. You sign up to a sports betting app, whatever. And ask the people more questions. I, I forget who it was that said, I'm willing to be the stupid guy. I'll ask the next 50 questions. That's me. I love asking questions because if I don't know something, Josh, or understand it, I'm going to ask. And sometimes you'll see people get frustrated. With, Why do you ask all these questions? I said, because I'm not really satisfied yet with the answers you've given me. What, do you call me a liar? I didn't call you a liar. So I'm not satisfied with the answers you're giving me. Are you, why are you offended? And that's a whole nother thing. People get easily offended. You start asking questions. Why, why are you probing? Why are you exploring? Because I want to know, are we going to be able to do business together or not? Right. I tell many people, it's better for you to say no and walk away than say yes and get stuck. Take that to the bank. Yeah. And, and I got to get out more, talk to people more because it's getting away from people who are very offended. People are offended by the success of the buyers. Yeah. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I don't know what's going on. You have to figure this out. A lot of crazy stuff. And that's the great thing about doing the podcast. You work through all this craziness. Yeah. So yeah. now it dawns on me, you go to the track, but of course you better know who the owner is. Yes. Gilbert, the brain Beckley, known as the biggest sports gambler and handicap in the United States through the 1950s and 60s, yeah. which 42 states, including uh, Andrew Cuomo, <laughs> New York just legalized uh, sports betting. Right. So this was highly illegal during that time. Yes. You say, all right, so what's going on with this highly illegal activity? What does it have to do with Gene Klein? We'll tell you, remember Gene Klein, um, the charges were repossessed from him, from the Greek mob from Tarpon Springs, Florida. Tarpon Springs, Florida. Hired us to clean up hotel. Right. So Be Beckley was believed to have been a major NFL game fixer and went to testify against members of the New England Patricera uh, crime family. In wake of the, his testimony, he disappeared on February 11th, uh, 1970. And who owns 35% uh, of the Wynn Hotel? We talked about a quiz from the first block. Well, yeah, there's some families involved here, to use the word family. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the the Wynn Hotel. Right. So, and National was from Barstool Sports. So you want to get pigs from Barstool Sports? All right. Yeah. There are pockets. <laughs> All right. So reading from the book, Interference, the Mob in the NFL, page 157. January 8th, 1966, Beck Police Apartment in Miami Beach was raided or paid off FBI guys. They seized a copy of Bartlett's familiar quotations, which was filled with coded names of some of the most prominent figures in business, entertainment, labor, politics, and sports. So I'll read this passage. Let me know your thoughts on connecting all that. Okay. Government investigators believe that some of the people whose names were in the book 
have been victims' clients. Among those names were gambler Frank Erickson and Frankie Lefty Rosenthal. Now, Frankie Lefty Rosenthal is very important. He's from the movie Casino. Mm. And he started, founded in San Diego, California, of all places, the Line Institute, mm. like with William Hill. And they're the current people that provide every single line for professional sports from online. How do they do this? How do they control the market? My person needs to. <laughs> like the Stronger family. Lefty Rosenthal. Yeah. They were reading by here. Let's see. Let's see who else was there. Uh, Sixer Bobby Baker, Carol Rosenblum. Rosenblum. Should we talk about him? Jimmy Hoffa. From the famous Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> He's in uh, the end zone of the old Giant Stadium. Uh, former boxer Billy Khan. Owner of your San Diego Chargers, Gene Klein. And Baron Hilton. Baron Hilton. Rich Trump, since he loves hotels, named his kid after him. And he mm -hmm. used to call as his own PR rep to use the name Baron. Yeah. And, of course, Paul Horning was in there. And our guy, right, from Hunt. Catcher. Yeah. Lamar Oil Tycoon, Lamar Hunt, owner of your Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And you know, just like Sam Sam Cronkey married into the Walton family. Right. Who is the husband of the daughter and who engineered tax exempt status and tax breaks for the NFL as a senator? And he was a Democratic nominee for president, the husband and the daughter of, of uh, Lamar Hunt. The guy who uh, gave up the farm in the Iran deal. Oh, you told <laughs> Thank you. Paul <laughs> World, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, you mentioned Paul Horning, the golden boy, originally from Notre Dame, then with the Green Bay Packers, and Jimmy Hoffa. It's like, how do people like this connect? How do they intersect, right? right? Well, sports and gambling and the mafia, to me, it's like food. It's like you got pasta, you got, sauce, <laughs> you got cheese, you got bread, you got wine. And as you read through this list, Baron Hilton, I mean, you, these are big people money. And what they want to do, Josh, is they want to either influence or control right. real estate because real estate generates a lot of revenue. And, and all the NFL cares about our stadiums. That's right. That's right. And one thing about the hotels, it's horse a lot tracks, of, right? The horse, horse tracks. Yeah, exactly. So in real estate, which is one of the great ways to make a lot of wealth in this country, and these big real estate people get together and they say, "Hey, you know, I got this. Uh, I got this horse racing thing, and I've got a horse. And oh, really? Do you want to invest in horses? Yeah. How much? Well, it's a hundred grand for this, and blah, blah blah. Next thing you know." Real estate people, sporting people, they're buying horses, they're invested in horses, then they get into betting on their horses. Then a right. bookie says, hey, Josh, hey, Josh, this horse is going off at 20 to 1. You know what? It's going to win. Well, no, horses don't win at 20 to 1. Well, this one's going to. So put 100 grand on, on the nose on what's it? turning point. Boom, the thing wins, it makes a million bucks. 
it's it's there's a lot there's so much corruption it's almost it's almost sad to talk about and unfortunately a lot of people people viewing and listening to us watching they they don't even know this it's so far underground it's so covered by it's it's hidden by the media they never dis, they never show you the real truth and it's sad that's what i said hollywood's another place there's a lot of money in hollywood movies right right they do they invest it what are they invested in horses gambling parties drugs that's also a tax shelter when you get out there tax mitigation tax buy mitigation. Horse, you lose money right so we're talking about this horses being spiked drug scandal the chargers had a drug scandal did gene klein have no absolutely nothing about right what is, what is the mafia do they distribute drugs right yeah yeah I mean, there's a there's a part in the, one of the movies in The Godfather where he talks about having a meeting with Salazzo and all this. And I want to get into drugs, and The Godfather says, "Well, I don't want to do that. You know, we, we like gambling, we like beer, wine, whiskey, but we don't want to do the drugs." And that creates a big riff in that. Now, whether whether that's true or not, I don't know. That's maybe Hollywood poetic license. But the point is, there's a lot of money, and people have. Once they get a lot of money and they get a lot of power, a lot of influence, they just think they're always right. And if they tell you you're going to do this or you're going to do that and you don't do it, you end up disappearing. Right. Uh, it seems to me reading that the amphetamines that the Chargers had were the same amphetamines that was giving the horses to win. So let's look at Gene Klein, right? Yeah. Gene Klein was a good family man. He was a drinker, smoker, gambler. Successful businessman, and man, did he love horses! Yes, he did. <laughs> he, he, had horse he smoked. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that description? People, that, because people that are spiking horses, getting them killed, actually love horses, but they love crime. They feel they need it to survive. They need the money because he's a he's a, an emotional three-dimensional character and really what it seems like at the end of the day the spanishes and the gene clients of the world because he had all these businesses floating around but he really didn't have any money he had a nice house he had these uh, anna makes a big deal of not working especially when working on not eating where you work so if you sit up in an office or whatever in the dining room table, don't eat there because you're associating dining room table with stress. So even though Gene Klein had a nice house, you know, Rachel Santa Fe, had all these horses, you're a source of stress for him, right? Because it was part of his business. He had his business at his house because he wasn't just riding the horses, having a good time, calling it a day. He was racing him and had a bunch of stables. Obviously, he had a lot of unsavory characters around he eventually died of a heart attack because of stress but he sees carol rosenboom popped he yeah. sees his friend yeah. had that on his head too right? right so these are the uh the characters yeah i mean you're talking about this idea of him owning these horses and i think at one time he owned 146 horses okay now d wayne lucas is the trainer 
and I'm just going to speculate with our audience that there was probably some performance enhancing drugs used on a couple, three different horses, right? Like amphetamines or the charger abuse. Yeah. And there was a lot of Gene Klein had a lot of winners. His horses won. Right. They did. Now, I'm not saying that Wayne Lucas is a, he's a good trainer, okay? But his record of winning and all those horses, boy, I tell you, after a while, the numbers don't start to add up. How, how can that be? How can one, Bob Baffert's another guy. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, he wins a lot of horse race. He wins the Kentucky Derby. How is that possible? Well, because he's just a great team, a great trainer. Okay, if you want to believe that, I got some bubble gum I want you to chew for me, okay? I mean, that's not how it works. There's a lot of payoffs. There's a lot of big television, big business, business behind the scenes, mafia. Uh, your point about Gene Klein. I think he lived a very stressful life the last few years of his life. I think he was freaking out because, A, he wasn't used to that kind of money and that kind of influence and power. And then all of a sudden, he's leveraged everything. He's broke, basically. Right. And the, the other part of it is that even with uh, the Bartolo family, right, you yeah. have to, we all have to kick up, right? You and I kick up to the IRS and our wives. You're always kicking up. But these guys are kicking up to some people. Mm -hmm. To the Steve Wins of the world, right? Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, and, and they, they, do what we tell our clients to do, what we tell ourselves to do. Charge triple. You charge Gene Klein a pretty penny. Okay. Uh, yes, they did. And that and that's what leads into the world of horse racing true crime. Right? And leads into the world of business and things that you step into where you do have to, and Coach Mike and I, Mike uh, Christianese and I have had to do it in business, where you have all these things going on and you have your specific task, and I call it threading the needle. Because mm -hmm. you have to thread the needle with all these different factors going on, teams that have home team advantage, you have to do it fast to figure out whether it's we could do it. It's actually a mafia guy running numbers and drugs, but he can do whatever you want to. Yeah. Whatever you got a master's degree in. <laughs> Better do it fast before you find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. So threading the needle and dealing with people where the Gene Klein had a dominant personality. He knew everything. You couldn't tell him anything. Right. But you had to make money out of whatever engagement you were doing, grooming his horse, cleaning his house, where his fantasies cleaned the hotel. I remember my mom, we were cleaning at Mafia Hotel in Tarpa Springs. She's like, do this fast. Yeah. <laughs> they only pay you half a front, do the other part, and do the rest of this fast before they think of something. Yeah. We're, we're Cubans, they're probably gonna hire some Greeks to do it, work fast. Yeah. So you have to have this awareness, right? And that's the great thing about horse racing true crime. They would give you this uh, what crime is, who criminals are, the different flavors of criminal, the money involved, and it's institutional. The NFL went on, pandemic or no pandemic. Oh, yeah. To institutionalize. Let's, let's go back to Gene Klein for one second. I, yeah. I believe in one of his transactions, he was dealing with a couple, three different bankers. And he's talking about numbers in the millions. So when you're dealing with a banker and you're dealing with millions and you have to put up some collateral. Well, I've got my stables in Rancho Santa Fe. They're worth about, oh, okay, great. So now you're leveraging that to get money to do what? To grow your business? 
Okay, question, what is your business? Well, I'm in the entertainment, uh, sports team ownership, horse racing industries. That's three different industries. And if you don't know that banker real well, and the banker is tied to some people that are controlled out of New York, you just sold your soul to the, to the mafia. And I and, think- and, and I mean, uh, the deeper problem we have now is China, right? Because mm-hmm. I spoke to a guy independently wealthy. He's young too. He's like 48 years old, international financier, smart. And he told me he's done business with the Chinese. He spent time in China. He knows them backwards and forwards. He said that every single Chinese company needs to be delisted because they're all fraudulent. Right. And I've stepped into companies, talked to people, mm-hmm. told them, hey, you have to track everything. Like the Glazers, the owners of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when Daddy Glazer came in, he was a, another slumlord up in Buffalo, but owns a Callahan franchise. He said, you have to count every spoon, right. count every knife. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I tell him, you have to have two set of books, right? One set of books is for tax mitigation, the IRS. The other books is tracking what's really going on because this is what you're doing. I mean, you haven't seen a balance sheet. I can guarantee it because in 30 years, I haven't. Every single balance sheet, every single tax return, every single financial statements I have, the owner's always overpaying himself and going to the bank and taking money out. You know, calling it owner's draw, whatever, calling it a, mm-hmm. uh, an equipment right. fail or whatever. Right. And I'm like, I know you're doing it again. Capital expenditures, right? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not here to tell you what to do because right. you make a lot more money. You're more successful. You have a bigger house. You have more liquid cap. I'm not. I'm just. I'm defining it. Right. So when things change, you're prepared to take things to the next level. Right. So I'm not telling you what to do. We're defining it. We're defining the books you have. Then we have the tax mitigation one because, like you said, Al Capone. You don't mess with the IRS. That's one thing you don't mess with. Right. So you have to have those books straight. So it's more important for the Chinese and all the books they have, right? And I'll get to Gene Klein. I'll circle back to Gene Klein. Mm-hmm. It's better for them to cross their eyes and dot their T's than actually have legitimate numbers because the SEC only cares about did the forms filled out correctly. We have too many people like that. So when the Chinese get away with massive fraud. Massive. In addition to uh, out of the 20 pandemics that assisted in history, 10 have come from China. Including the last one. We yeah. can debate about whether it came from the lab or whatever, but nobody's debating liberal or conservative that it came from China. Right. So circling back to Gene Klein, he's doing all these business deals. He's kicking up to the mafia. He's doing his regular tax mitigation. Uh, and he's, you know, for him, the horses were his kids. So he had 146 kids hmm. uh, smoking a lot. That's why he had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you talked about Gene Klein. Here's, let's take, for example, someone in our audience who's a business owner, okay? And they say, hey, I met Gene Klein the other day. Really? What's a great guy, super guy. We had drinks together. We smoked a cigar. Wonderful guy. Great. Because you're of no value to him. You're of no worth to him. Now, you meet a guy from New York who's on Wall Street. He's got connections to $100 billion. Now, that's a different I met Gene Klein conversation. Mm-hmm. This is what we tell our audience, viewing and listening audience. 
know the people that you're going to be dealing with. Literally. Do your research. Do your research. Do your homework. Don't be afraid to say, gee, Josh, you know, I just, I don't think we're going to be a fit here. And you walk away. No, get, away, get away from bad people. Get away from uh, bad people quickly. Absolutely. <laughs> because it, fundamental now, people have gotten rich with fundamental analysis. Nobody's ever gotten rich with technical analysis. People have gotten rich selling technical analysis. Right. CNBC, you see these chasers coming out with a right. technical analysis. But I know the truth. So part of corporate governance is doing your research on the owner. Um, I did my research on the New York Mets, and the owner's a scumbag, hedge fund, degenerate guy. So then I know that on the margin, the Mets are going to not do well, and I'm going to monetize wagering in against. So that's a, one good thing about sports betting. You can clearly get a quick outcome on using uh, fundamental analysis, which is a tool used to measure investments. So track everything, go on public records. Uh, the mother-in-law, people jumping in Periscope, anybody has any questions as we close, let us know. But the mother-in-law and the secretary and the janitors will tell you anything you want to know. In meetings, you let people talk for a half hour, you'll know everything, check public records. And I'm not telling you to take the deal or not to take the deal, but know what you're taking. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I just had a lecture with a young kid this week about you can't afford when I was young, I thought I could afford bad people. You really can't. You can't afford to have bad people around you, know much how much money they have or whatever. You know, it's it's just not a good thing. And and Gene Klein could have lived a peaceful, simple life, but he just got caught up. Just yeah. because look at the, the the things again, drugs again, distribution. With him, it was the San Diego Chargers, the horses. Now it's the horses. The horses all dying. Yeah. Yeah. And that is truly that you say these are not victimless crimes. There's a lot of people that like horses, that love right. animals. And you give a you give a horse a performance hangs drug, you're making it heart work faster, the legs pump hard, they're going to die. And it's not like, oh well, a horse died. No, <laughs> no you're in the you're in the business of murder you're, you're a murderer and a lot of people say oh come on coach mike you're being a little dramatic no i'm not being dramatic i'm being honest okay uh, if you kill animals you're a murderer i'm sorry that's how i feel now i'm not necessarily a, a, a animal lover per se i am i don't believe in killing i don't believe in murdering and doing drugs which i don't do anymore <laughs> at least not illegitimate right so you know, that's what you have to learn i like you and I have talked many times. If you and I could have met Gene Klein one time and just say, hey, Gene, can we talk to you for five minutes? And like you said, Josh, very egotistical, very bigger than life kind of guy. Would he listen? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. If At a certain point, after Carl Rosen got killed, yeah, Beckley got popped, I would have had, uh, I would have said to Gene Klein, let it go. Yeah. Take your money and run. Right. Sell the team before it gets taken from you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And and live the rest of your life in some semblance of peace. Right. Life too short to begin with. I mean, I just turned sixty nine. I feel like I'm a kid, but I'm not. <laughs> you are. I'm not. <laughs> no. But, but uh, it's fascinating, right? Uh, 
It is. Football, sports are the fabric of our country and how they come together and the way things still are today. Mm-hmm. You can't like start in the beginning. You don't want to be like that guy in 500 days of summer <laughs> living in a delusion because even though things are going well, I've seen it so many times. Yes. In a beautiful family, living in a beautiful place, rich, uppity place. Uh, the husband's a lawyer who loses a case. This is a true story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the guy loses the case. All he did needed to do again was talk to us or even my dad. It's eighty six, and we're gonna give him a pep talk. Loses the case. He's gonna lose the house or whatever. Get divorced. Commit suicide. Boom. I mean that family went down. So like you said in that B and I meeting nine years ago, I was listening to you. You know things are looking rosy and good. Yeah, things can go south and. These people are on vacation. They look so happy on Instagram and Facebook. You don't know what's going on. No, no. And to this point, this the reason for these podcasts, one of the outcomes is to help people, to educate people, to at least make them more aware. We're, we're trying to build awareness. We're trying to educate and build awareness that know who you're dealing with. I, I don't know how many times I've talked to people. I said, well, do you know the people you're in business with? No, we're going to start a partnership, Coach Mike. You're going to start a partnership? No. No, you're not. That's not good? No, no. Either become a C-Corp or a sub-S or an LLC. Don't become partners. And then you start thinking about the law. Next thing you know, I say, have you done any research at all? The answer is no. They got this warm, fuzzy, touchy-feely about this idea, and they're going to give somebody 25 grand, and they're going to be an owner of a company. No, you're not. You're You're being conned. I'm sorry. No, we get along well. This partnership, you know. And in 30 years of business, I've seen one partnership work, one guy was a dominant, the other one's more. Yeah. But I think that people kill each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, Jeff- Ryan? Oh, I don't know where Ryan is. Mistrust, distrust. Who are you talking to? Why are you talking to them? Why don't you? I'm doing I'm not- more work than you. I'm I'm running this thing and you're taking money out, blah, blah, blah. It always happens. Always, always. If happens. one person thinks it's stealing from the other. Yeah. Uh, and another thing, we'll close with this and we'll give you final thoughts. Uh, we've talked about it a lot in the true crime, and they'll give you this in another true crime broadcast. Uh, justice and the law, right, are best distant cousins. Right, right. Because Gene Klein never got busted, but a lot of these major operations he got busted in, red handed, but because of the political situation, he did not get busted, mm-hmm. right? In, a, in another uh, analogy, how things can go down south, George Floyd was high, having a good time. He takes a $20 counterfeit bill to a store, and the police and the government end up. Yeah, Gene Klein's stealing hundreds of million, which right now is a billion dollars. Yeah. This yeah. happens all the time. On yeah. both the right and the left, everybody should be, a lot of people should be in jail. Or murders and crime that they're caught red-handed on videotape, and we all know. But things went down south. It went from getting high, having a good time, hanging out with his buddies, to dead over a $20 counterfeit bill, which uh, is eligible, like here, up to $940 for a ticket. So the police are going to go, hey, man, uh, you can't drive because you're high. Here's a ticket. 
Just so you walk away. No, they end up killing him. So it went from high, having a good time, hanging with his buddies to dead in a matter of 10 minutes. Yeah. That's how fast for everybody, like you said in that BNI meeting, things can go south. Quickly. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Instantaneously. Final words, Mike Christine. Yeah. I I really hope that our listening and viewing audience can take away from this podcast one thing. And that is, don't trust too quickly, okay? And I or say, at all. A lot of DTA. Don't trust. don't trust too quickly, A and B, you know, clarify before you agree. Get clarification on things. And if you don't understand something, ask more questions. And if you keep finding that you're hitting a roadblock, you might want to take a step back and say, hmm, there's a reason why this person isn't answering this question, right? Right. I think I'm going to walk. And when you walk, it, I tell you, Josh, when you say no, it, it's actually a freeing thing to say no to somebody. Because right. a lot of people feel committed. They have to say yes. No, you don't. Right. So I've told many people, hold your own confidence. So you're, you're talking to someone, they start asking you a bunch of questions. Be careful. Be careful you don't divulge too much until you start asking them questions. So that's my final thoughts. Yeah. And... Uh... I really enjoyed the podcast because as I do it and as you process the information, man, you're, you learn an awful lot. And right. one benefit we do have that we're old is that we have the gift and the benefit of perspective that we can share. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. I'm very happy to be able to do it on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. We're getting good now. Thanks, Mike, for Sinisi of, of writing up these transcripts. And I'm going to add more annotations, more links, as uh, mm-hmm. we're getting a lot of referrals. Even though I haven't updated in a little while, we're getting a lot of referrals. And we're getting a lot of people reading our written materials on media. Good. These podcasts translate to that yeah. um, very much so. So we always close with Winston uh, Churchill. Because, you know, part of this true crime series is a life lesson that salesmen think short term. Businessmen and women think long term. Right. To that end, the guy who got us through the last major crisis in Western civilization, Winston Churchill, said, we make a living from our labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESPC Podcast Network.